0: hey everybody it's richard harris we are going to go back into the Wayback time machine for one of our original episodes of the surf and sales podcast this is actually my origin story which i'm not a fan of talking about myself believe it or not but people always ask me these questions so we thought we'd re-release this this is all the way back from i think 2019 i think it was maybe our third or fourth episode ever First, I want to give a shout out to the HubSpot Podcast Network for supporting us on HubSpot. If you didn't know, uh, September 5th through 8th, 2023, HubSpot is having their annual inbound conference uh, where they're bringing business leaders, sales leaders, entrepreneurs, and entertainers together to help you learn how to do HubSpot better. Uh, The great people are going to be there. Derek Jeter is going to be there. Angie Huberman, Reese Witherspoon, Morgan DeBond, Kim Scott, uh, a ton of great people. Our friend Sam Jacobs is actually going to be there as well. So uh, Lori Richardson will be there as well as Sangram Vaji, uh, who's a good friend of ours. So we are excited to support HubSpot. You can certainly go and check out the HubSpot inbound uh, conference. And please, please, please go check out HubSpot. You can get your uh, inbound get your tickets at inbound.com today and i do believe there's still some vip slots available so thank you very much and hope you enjoyed this episode
1: cool hey uh scott Lee's here with richard harris richard i want to ask you a couple questions okay yeah. i feel like it's well documented and i've talked ad nauseum about how i got into sales yeah right and and kind of the trajectory of my career but i sort of know your story i don't even know if i could tell it back to you though and i don't mm-hmm. remember you really talking too much about it out there and in, in persona and the things you do so i thought it'd be interesting to get kind of richard's origin story
0: yeah um well it's kind of boring but i'll be glad to share it uh, maybe you'll find some some way to spice it up There's certainly some interesting stories, thoughts in there. Um, I went to college. Both my parents were in sales. My dad sold insurance. My mom sold radio advertising, cable television. My mom sold cable television when ESPN first came out. ESPN first came out, it was like on for four hours a day. Like that was it. Like that's how it worked.
1: She sold ad space for ESPN in the early days.
0: In the early, early, early days, and the this this was. this was back in the day when, you know, you you didn't get the local college games. Like you maybe got your local college game, you know, once or twice a season. Like we'd get the Georgia, Florida game. That'd kind of be it. Maybe a, a Georgia, some other game, but that was it. It wasn't like where you had all these sec networks. So back then ESPN was running like reruns of the university of Alabama game. Um, but everybody was wondering, well, who's ever going to want to go watch a rerun of that? We already know the score. Nobody's going to want to watch that football game again, right? But this is long, you know, this is early 80s, right? So, um, so, so I've been surrounded by sales all my life. Like, that's the point of the story. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. You know, I, I do need to interview my mom about being a salesperson.
1: Do you yeah. feel like you learned sales stuff, you know, through osmosis and by being around them? Like, was it? Really like part of your youth and development?
0: Not the way that it is with our kids. Like I know you and I talk to our kids about what yeah. we do yeah. and we teach yeah. them how to negotiate and how to, you know, it, it's very different. So it was if I if I learned anything, it was very much through osmosis. That being mm-hmm. said, uh as I went to college, um I knew I just wanted to get a business degree. I knew I didn't want to be an accountant. I knew I didn't want to be a finance or an econ major. So I just was sort of for lack of a better then face, why,
1: why, why Why business then? Why business?
0: Because I knew I wanted to be in some kind of sales, right? I knew I wanted to do that. I think and I, I should back up, I guess. My first real job um ever, my first real job was at the gap, folding <laughs> clothes and selling, right? So um and I got a you know, got the the big fat gap discount. Um you know, so I was always sort of seasonably dressed. I knew all the colors. Um, so, so that was my, that was my first exactly job the at age
1: 16. Of What's that? I said this is like the exact opposite of my life. This is totally,
0: amazing. Totally. I tell you, <laughs> it's boring. Like there's nothing exciting. I mean, I don't know. Maybe be- no, it's,
1: it's exciting to me because it's so different from how I grew up.
0: So I had that job. Um, and, you know, the, the appeal to that job was uh, I was very rebellious about fashion in general like you know making me wear sunday clothes sunday school clothes was terrible right Mm -hmm. putting me making me dress up like ad nauseum bad i you know i once went on a school trip to dc as a senior in high school and my teacher was shocked that i wasn't wearing socks and she says i'm gonna call your mother and tell her that you're not wearing any socks and i said go ahead She already knows like she's beside herself too.
1: Um, So you go go to Tucson, you go to, you go to U of A to get a business degree. Yep. Right. You've already worked at the gap.
0: Yep. So then I I get through, I get to my senior year and I never had a job in college. Right. Like I, my, my grandmother made it so that I didn't have to worry about that, but I got to my senior year, decided I needed to get a job. And in my rebellious mind and youth, I said, I'm going to go back to the gap. Because um, I can wear jeans and T-shirts after college. Like I'll go get a management <laughs> manage job. That was my yeah. that was my desire, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know um, the Nice work, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I went and got this job part time. It was right before I graduate. It was during the holidays, and we went through the holiday season. And I never took it seriously. And there, there was a chance to like be promoted to what they called a pace setter, and and to you know. Movement. They knew I wanted to be in management. They knew I was a college senior. Like you know, I sort of laid all the right, I've said all the right things, but I was terrible and I got fired.
1: So, I was what do you like, mean you were terrible? You were terrible at selling clothes. Yes. Yes. Really?
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Why? Um, so they had a you know the deal was that you had to sell two at every. For everything you sell, you're supposed to sell two. If you sell jeans, you sell a shirt. If you sell jeans, you sell a pair of socks. It didn't so matter; just two items. That was the you, quota. You right? couldn't
1: upsell people.
0: I couldn't upsell people. I was too nervous about it. I was. I also, you know, I also had an ego. I think this is probably the biggest part. I thought that I was in. I thought I already had the management job in the bag, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe this aligns with how millennials feel sometimes. I don't know. And so they fired me, and I was I was devastated like I remember to this day, uh, sitting there and I, I told my like, this can't happen. This is what I want to do. This is what I, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do? And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll put you on call, which basically means you sit around and you have to call two hours ahead of time to see if you can, you know, if they need you to come in. Cause it's busy.
1: Yeah. It was like being a substitute
0: teacher. Totally. Yeah. Um, and they called me in like once or twice a week and she said, look, you're going to have to step up. You got to memorize all the colors you got to know everything that's in the product book about the product you got to know it backwards and forwards I don't she said I don't care if you come in early and do it or what but I'm not gonna pay you to go learn because I already did and it didn't work so basically she was saying show up early and stay late right um, and so I did and um, I earned my way back in she was really excited about it I then uh, they opened up a gap kids in Tucson I got the management position there Um, I knew i had always wanted to move to Denver, Colorado, Denver, you know, at that point there were only like 15 gap kids in the whole world, in the whole world, literally like Mm. one was in Tucson and one was in Phoenix and one was in Denver and one was in maybe Kansas city or something. Anyway, so, um, so I got transferred to Denver because I wanted to go there and it was all on my dime. So that's how I got to Denver. Long story short, decided to get out of retail, hated it. Um, but, I learned a lot, like I had a whole day one day where I interviewed like thirty people all in a day for a retail job. right I had to deal with managing and scheduling and um training people you know i 'm like twenty one or twenty two out of college so
1: this is a, this is this is a really common kind of like entry point into the field of sales i can 't even tell you how many people i've talked to who know start okay. off in in retail and move into yep. like retail management and then they're sort of like man, I'm done with that and yep. then they move to you know inside or outside sales and more of you know mm-hmm. okay. kind of space so you leave retail and you go to what space
0: <laughs> at this point I was so naive and still so cocky that I was like fuck this I'm gonna go wait tables and make more money than I will in retail Right. You got to remember.
1: Yes, I didn't know. I don't don't think I ever knew you went and waited tables in Denver.
0: And guess, guess how, guess how good I was.
1: I bet you were terrible at it. Yeah. I
0: was terrible at it. Yeah. So then I called back and I actually went back to the, I said, Hey, I made a mistake. Can I come back? I want to be at this store though, instead of that store. So I moved from one, from one store to the other. Um, you know, and I really thought I'd be at the gap a long time, like for a long, you know, you know, I, for some reason I was just in love with that story back in the day, you know? Um, and so, uh, so anyway, so I did that for a little bit while, and then I got recruited to go sell uh, newspaper ads and classified sections for, mm, yeah, you know, I think you know this part, you know, the, yeah, the cool yeah, you alternative. Know story, yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. Um, what was that? No, it's less, less common now. But I remember when I was first getting into sales, a lot of people whose first sales job was like, you know, selling ad space and and stuff at newspapers in different cities and everything. Yeah.
0: And so we, you know, so I worked for, you know, Denver Westward, which is, you know, they had papers in Phoenix called new times in Miami and Dallas and Houston. And we were the shit, we were the internet before the shit, before the internet came along, like literally. We were the burgeoning of the internet. Um, and this is probably the single biggest mistake. Um, but the best part is my mom doesn't even remember this. So this has to be like circa 1997, 20 whatever. Now my business card would get me into any bar club or any party I wanted to because I was working for the Cool Paper. And my mom calls me and goes, you know, there's this company out in California and I think they're, they're making money selling cl- something that looks like classified ads on the computers. And I really think you should go look at it. You know, I think it'd be a really smart thing for you to consider. And, you know, my mom's a stockbroker, so it's her job to pay attention to stuff. And the company she was talking about was Yahoo. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and my my response, right, because this this part you do know about me, Scott. Yeah. Like, Mom, why would I ever do that? I work for the coolest paper in town. I love living in Denver. I'm not moving to California. That, yeah. I don't know what that company's going to do. Blah, 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 right? Typical... Know it all Gen Xer at the age typical, typical, typical low risk Richard. Yeah, total <laughs> <laughs> whole other story for people to understand. So right. Scott appreciates low risk Richard on occasion. So, um, but uh,
1: so how long, how long were you an actual like AE, if you will, as as a Classified newspaper? guy? Yeah, before before you make before you make the leap to sales management.
0: I was there four years, uh,
1: four, years. At AE for four years before you went into management.
0: Yeah. So, and what happened was I had quit. Well, that's, let me see. So what, first they had me doing classified ads. Then they asked me to move over to what was called retail, which is the front of the magazine, you know, all the bars, all the clubs, all that kind of stuff. I used to sell all the stuff in the back and the classifieds help wanted all the smut. you know, all the, all the alleged um, adult things. So, I've got tons of stories there, uh, was also, I I sort of crawled myself the pimp's pimp at that point because of the ads we sold. But, um, the, so anyway, so then I did that for about four or five years. They had me go over to retail and then I quit because I was going to go get an MBA and decided that, you know, I wasn't getting promoted five years in, no management. Come on, it's time to get out of here. Went in, I went in, you know, did all my GMAT or whatever it was back then and, Got into uh, University of Colorado Denver. Was going to go get a, an MBA. I turned in my resignation, and they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't. are like, "You can't resign." I'm like, well, "What do you mean I can't resign?" I'm like, we got plans for you. I'm like, and this this company was run this way. Like, it literally was run this way. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Well, what are you talking about?" Normally, if you quit, like, you're out the door in ten minutes. Like, that's right. normal yeah. work there. Yeah. And uh, and so they're like, "All right, I'll just stay here." And I go back to my cube. And the owner of the paper, right? This guy's a, a the closest thing I knew to a billionaire. He's probably a definitely he's definitely a millionaire. He's now in a ton of legal trouble. If you haven't ever Googled New Times and all that stuff, it, it's a fascinating story. Um, he goes, he goes, Ricky. I'm like, yeah, hi, Jim. What the fuck are you doing? And I'm like sitting in, I'm sitting in a cubicle, right, with the owner of the company on the phone with me. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. Like, I'm just trying to go do this. It's like you're not going to go to the fucking MBA. I'm going to get you a fucking MBA right now. <laughs> and he says, uh, he says, look, we need you to go to Cleveland. We need you to go and run that, run that classified section out there. We're not done with the deal yet. But I don't want you to leave. I need you to stay around. And I'm like, Jim. I, you don't move from Denver to Cleveland. You move from Cleveland to Denver, like you know.
1: <laughs> no disrespect to all the Clevelanders out there. Yeah, no,
0: and so, um, and so I, I, you know, Jim's less like, look, I know you want to get an MBA. I'll give you an MBA. I promise, you know. And look, if you don't want to stay out there forever, I hear you. You only, you only be out there a couple of years. I promise. I promise. I promise. And keep in mind that Jim Larkin, who is who's the founder of this company. I also was his son's college roommate, so I had a deep connection. You know, I've had holidays at the house, and you know, there was that level of a stronger bond. And so, uh, I let them convince me to not go get my MBA, moved to Cleveland, uh, started managing a team there for the first time. Um, How big was that team? How was that big a- was that? How big was that team? When I got there, it was two, and I probably built it to about eight or ten that point and it was all there was no it was not a sales team it was like an order-taking team like mm-hmm. it was this ridiculous like whoever showed up you know they, they determined how much money they made for the week by the amount they collected not by how much they actually billed in the newspaper right like just it was all in a notebook so I <laughs> hope this isn't boring for people um
1: I think, <laughs> I think it's fascinating What's I, think it, I, I think people like to hear uh you I, know I mean, you know the, the story I mean, of how people got into got to where they are right now yeah i
0: mean i was and i was you know this paper was the kind of paper where you know our company was like we were we dropped in like stormtroopers right when we bought that paper half the team quit and literally like four days after i'd spoken to to jim larkin he's like he's like ricky how fast can you be in denver i'm like I don't know, Monday? He's like, get out there. Like, everybody just quit. We need you to just go and, like, get the newspaper, Take like, just handle the ads. Like, I knew what to do, right? And so I, as much as so I was... So busy-
1: you went from Denver to Cleveland, back to Denver, like, right away almost?
0: No, I went Denver to Cleveland, was there for, like, three weeks in a hotel, and then went back and got all my stuff. Okay. They literally, you know, it's a weekly paper, so you know there are deadlines. And it, you physically had to lay out all the ad like think about all those ads you might see where it's you know every thursday night there's you know there's bands you know monday night tuesday night wednesday night and there's like four bands like you got to lay all that
1: stuff out that's why is the sales sales manager dealing with all that layout come on dude really What 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 do i know about the newspaper business maybe somebody out there can send me information that fills me in on how this stuff works
0: no, the, you as a sales rep, you were the seller and the account manager because you had to have the relationships with these bars and clubs. You had to go what out. Does that
1: have to do about putting the paper together?
0: Not put the I had to write out what needed to go in the ad. Then they had a graphic designer type it into the computer.
1: Oh, sorry. A right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay.
0: I wasn't clear, sorry. So anyway, and again, so so I was sort of, you know, a rock star hero there uh, for doing that. Then I went into uh,
1: um, So how do you, how do you get into how do you get into tech? into the bay
0: so then i crushed it there for a year and they moved me to the paper in san francisco that so
1: that brings you to the bay right with that newspaper After, did, and then did you did you at some point realize like um newspapers are like dying, dying yeah. going away and i probably need to get out of this or or what yeah. a couple of things happened at once um
0: Hey, before we get into those couple of things that happened, just want to pause and again, thank HubSpot and the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you don't know about it, be sure to check out the HubSpot Podcast Network. They've got tons of great podcasts, not only from us, but from other sales leaders as well as other um, uh, marketing teams and all kinds of great stuff. One we want to talk about specifically is John Barrows' Make It Happen Monday. John's a good friend of ours. I have hung out with him many, many, many times be sure to check out Make It Happen Mondays with John Barrows. He's had a great conversation with Scott Barker, who's also another good friend of ours, um, talking about the changing landscape and changing sales landscape. Um, Scott is a partner and co-founder in Venture Capital Fund, GTM Fund, and they talk about his experiences of how he got there, not just the fact that he's part of this fund. And I know Scott well enough that it's it's a good conversation. So please check out, make it happen Mondays with John Barrows on the HubSpot podcast network. One was, um, I realized how I felt like I was pretty stupid cause I was, and this is 99, right? Um, and everybody had all their shares and their IPOs and their, you know, the crazy yeah. stuff going on. And I'm sitting around here going, I'm peddling newspaper ads. So I felt, I definitely had an imposter syndrome going on, um, uh, particularly in this city. Uh, and then, I, for lack of a better, I practically had a mental breakdown. I just couldn't handle it anymore. That's—I think you've heard the story about how I woke up one day and physically could not get out of bed um, because I was so depressed. I had just—I um, just been with that company and we'd been grinding and partying. I mean, we was a twelve-hour day. It was seven to seven, and then we went out to bars five or six nights a week.
1: You're oh, burnt. You're you just burnt. You're just burnt out. Totally. Totally. Candle burning both ends.
0: Yep, yeah. yeah. and I was look. I also I was also single. You know, here I was living in San Francisco, a straight male, had my own apartment. I could afford my own apartment, no roommates, and I had no real social life for when it came to dating, uh, which is a whole other issue of of you know where my own self esteem was. There were always sort of different parts of me. You know, work Ricky was always confident, happy, outgoing, jovial. Yeah. Personal Ricky was scared shitless. You know.
1: Um, it. I, I think a lot of sales, sales people have that whether they're ready and willing to admit it or not but like you know you, you walk through the door and you can comfortably go into character like it, yes. I'm, I'm sales Scott now
0: yeah yeah, yeah. totally I'm in,
1: I'm in character like I got this on the man and as soon as I leave it's like oh man I got nothing I got yeah. nothing who am I whatever yeah
0: yeah so that so that's when I actually started my journey for mental health and, and things like that so from there, I went into running a um, sales team at an at a educational company in, in, um, in Nevada, California called The Learning Company, got bought by Riverdeep, um, just sort of through some weird circumstances, uh, going through, a, through an agency. I got hired and fired in about three weeks, and I told them that, look, I asked all these questions. I am literally going to sue the shit out of you if you don't find something for me. And I think I scared the hell out of them, right? Because Scott knows that's how I like to do things. And all of a sudden, I was overseeing a team of like 30, like, had never managed anybody that big, no team that big before, right? Um, I think I'd, at most I'd done 12 and no sales managers. Now I had three sales managers and 30 reps underneath me, each with, and there's three different sales teams. So that was a huge, huge win for me um, in terms of my capabilities. Did that for a couple of years then moved into computer security because that job, yeah. it transferred the entire sales team to Iowa because the cost of selling of salaries in Iowa was a third. This
1: is right market. around the time where we first met or knew no, we,
0: no, this you is still be before you, ahead. this is before five or six years before you. Oh really? Um, so I literally had a team in California that I had to bold face lie to because they knew there was a team in Iowa and they were like, are they going to fire us? And I'm like, no,
1: they're not firing you. Let me let me ask you a question. Would would you if you if you were right now in a, working in a company and, and VP of sales or whatever, would you boldface a lie like that again? God, um, I wonder about I wonder about that. I wonder if the corporate climate is is different now than no, it was. No, it's not.
0: In fact, it's, prob- it's probably worse. I don't uh, know. What's that?
1: I don't know. I, I I don't think I don't think I can I don't think I can do it. I, just, I disagree
0: because I think that, it, at least in the world you and I are in, in the startup world, there's too many shares on the line. There's too much equity. We would never walk away from that equity on
1: that piece. right? We're, no, I'm not exactly sure where you're going, but I don't, know that, I don't know that I could just stand in front of my entire sales team and, and be like, oh, yeah, all, all of your jobs are totally safe, and then 24 hours later, they're all fired.
0: It was about a month later. It was about a month later. Um, but this could be the, you know, this could be a character flaw in Richard that, and and I've heard this before that I'm a little too loyal and sometimes I stay a year too long. Right.
1: Nobody's ever accused me of that. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're the opposite of me. (laughs) You're the complete opposite, which is probably why we get along. So then I went to run a security team, a computer security team, small team, learned a ton about sales, learned a ton about channel sales um, learned a ton about the soft differences between software and hardware and computer world and selling the different in different ways. Um, did that for five or six years. And then that company got embroiled in a, in a patent lawsuit, um, which, uh, you know, had nothing to do with me. And basically that company just bled the company dry. So this company, Akko brands, Kensington, um, I don't give a shit what they think, but, you know, I don't know who they own by now, but, um, you know, they, their egos were ridiculous and they will make claims that are absolutely false and untrue about computer locks and inventing computer slots, but that's another story. So anyway, so, so that cost me my job. So that's why I don't really give a shit about
1: this. So the, the recurring theme here is like Richard Richard has challenges with authority. <laughs> that's what it, That's what it sounds like.
0: But do I? Did I ever challenge your authority? I guess I did.
1: So... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but not, you know, not like over the top or, or, or whatever.
0: No, I mean, no, I, I agree with that. That's, gotta, it's that's gotta be right
1: part. Now. That's gotta be part of why you work on your own now though.
0: Right. Right. It totally is. I mean, I think <laughs> the way I describe it though, is that that's the, that's the, that's what it was like to be a Gen Xer was we were taught to, you know, tell authority. We came up post Vietnam. We were educated in the seventies around, post Vietnam and not trusting the government and questioning everything. Then all of a sudden we were thrown out in the world as our own at the age of 10 as latchkey kids having to figure it out. Right. You know, I'm a 10 or 11 years old and I'm coming home from school, calling mom to let her know I got home. All right. And you know, make myself a sandwich, right? Like yeah. could Braden do that? Could I don't know the
1: right. Yeah. yeah they, they, my kids, my kids do that. So, um,
0: so anyway, so they, so, so I think that you're right. There is that sort of angst against authority. Um, and there's a certain level of entitlement that comes with it, at least in my mind. So it's not that unfamiliar. That's why I find it funny when people yeah. complain about millennials because every generation is that way. Every 25-year-old gener- person thinks they know more than a yeah. 40-year-old person. Like that's standard standard life.
1: <laughs> yeah, just...
0: So, uh, And after that, that's where I met Scott. That's where I had to... Um, uh, at the computer company that when I got
1: laid off because of the the lawsuit and the money. Um, well, the, the 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 irony here is a, yeah, stop. A, a, a a college friend and college tennis teammate of mine, um, you know, t- tries to like get you to hire me, right? To go work for is it PC Guardian? Is that the name that, of that? That's what it company? was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you, <laughs> what did you tell him? You like. No way. I don't I mean, even remember in, this. We never even took the call. We never even yeah, checked. I was like, this guy doesn't have any sales experience. Why, yeah. I,
0: why would I hire this guy?
1: Yeah. But, I did uh, have sales experience. You just like disrespected the like, you know, one year or whatever, less than yeah. But yeah. again,
0: typical, I think yeah. I know what I'm doing. You know, uh, you know, typical, typical me. That's who I was at the time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And I don't even remember that. That's the funny thing is I don't even remember that. So... As I got laid off, I called this friend Tony that Scott's referring to and said, Tony, you know, here's what happened. You know, you've worked for me for three or four years, you know of anything. Like I was, you know, it took a, for me, it was like, Oh my God, I was this guy's VP and now I'm calling him asking about any kind of sales. You know, and this is, this is 2008 right at the beginning of the recession. Right. Like literally, um, you know, I'd had, I'd gotten married in 2007 had a baby in 2008 in July, bought a house in October of 2008, moved, and then in November got laid off. So all that pressure was on
1: me, um, and, that, and that's when Tony, Tony, yeah. introduced the I world. mean, there's some there's some important lessons in there about um, about humility, right, and about the power and strength of the relationships that you build, you know, as as a leader with um, with your team, because yep. you, you literally never know, you know, the, the, the whole thing could be flipped upside down tomorrow. Right. Yep. And, and the person who's working for me today could be my boss. Yep. You know? Um And I, I think I don't think that a lot of leaders think about that and 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 treat it with the right amount of uh, respect. Yeah. And, 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 and humility, you know. Yeah. Whatever, wherever yeah. we're at, we could all get it taken out from under us at any minute, you know.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly, and 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 I think that's different now. I think, I mean, you know, this sort of whole personalization, personalization in sales, relationships, but not relationship selling, right, is being taught in a, in a in a in a better way than it used to be. So that I think that people would be more comfortable asking for this level of help. I mean, again, you know, my generation didn't do that, right? Like. You know, that's not how I saw the internet, right? I wasn't, I wasn't using the internet that way, as opposed to this generation where it's like, oh, I'll just go watch a YouTube video. You know, if I have to go do something, I actually have to go, oh my God, I could watch this on YouTube and figure it out. Like I have to have an epiphany. Whereas this generation is like, I'm just going to go watch YouTube. Like you wouldn't even think, you don't even need to Google it. I would have to Google it first and then go, oh shit, there's a video. I should watch it. Like I'm just not there, you know? Um. And so from there, I, I you know, I, I was making a healthy six figure salary, um, and a new house, a new baby, a new wife. Um, not that I had an old wife before, just a wife, I should say my wife. Um, and I had to pick up, I picked up the phone, called Scott, had an interview with him. Uh, I think I was pretty aggressive through the interview process. I, I remember I emailed you, I left you a message and I connected with you on LinkedIn all within about 10 minutes <laughs> because I knew which way
1: did I get back to you, by the way?
0: I don't know. I think you emailed me back to say, come in on this day or something yeah, like that. I, so, don't, I don't remember either. I'm just curious. And it's, and it's a strategy. I could probably go find that email. It's a strategy I still teach people to do. Like, you don't just go apply online, you apply online, yeah. you find out mm-hmm. who you think the hiring manager is, you connect with them on LinkedIn, right? You then even go to the HR department find the, as high up in the HR department as you can to say, hey, I just applied to this. I'd love to figure out which HR person I need to talk to. I then tell you to go pick up the phone and call the hiring manager you think it is, even if it's through the front desk. Call and leave a voicemail for the HR person. So the, the, yeah. by the time, I don't trust the machine is going to get them my resume.
1: You're, right. you're, like, a, you're like a bulldog trying to... Yeah, trying to, but
0: why, but yeah, why yeah, wouldn't yeah. I do? And I'm,
1: I'm, A lot of people don't do that. I, 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 most I don't. don't. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, and I've written about it. I mean, there's a whole process to it, right? Like look particularly for sales, right? I am selling you. I gotta show you I know how to do this. I want them to sit here because I know every single one of those people will be like, all right, well he's a sales guy. He emailed me, he linked in me, and he left me a message, like you know, he knows the game, right? Yeah. And so um
1: So if we if we if we fast forward through the yeah. years that we work together and you know then y- you know, you move on and you're VP of sales again, right? Like at what point, and this is super relevant for me because I, you know, have just stepped off the ledge and gone on my own now. Like, how do you come to the conclusion that, you know, you're going to be, you're going to take the risk and go on your own or, or you're going to, what's going to be best for you and your family. You're going to be happiest, you know, doing your own thing and, and, and doing this consulting business. How did, how did you get to that place where you were kind of done working for other people?
0: Well, I mean, truthfully, it, it sort of fell in my lap. And I think that's what that's, there's a pattern to this now. I could probably write the book, but um, the biggest fear most people have is I don't know where my income's going to come from. And so what had happened was I had gotten, once again, I'd gotten laid off, uh, but this was because there was a merger acquisition going on with the startup I was at. And uh, they hugged me out the door. They really took care of me and the family to make sure I had a very long runway. And I was interviewing like crazy and doing a great job, but I was getting to the fourth or fifth interview, but not closing the deal. And then ironically, someone called and said, Hey, could you help do this? And I said, sure. Came up with a number. It's going to Austin every week for four weeks. First week flying back. I sit down on the plane. Um, it turns to sit down next to this guy. It turns out to be Nick Meta from GameSite. Um, this is when Gateside had twelve or fifteen people. We started talking, having this great conversation. We got shushed by the flight attendant twice. <laughs> we were talking so loud, and we weren't drinking. It's not like we were drinking at all. We were just having a nice conversation. Next thing I know, I, I you know kind of had another client. So all of a sudden, I had these two clients, you know, for sixty days. That was almost worth six months in salary, and it was like, huh you know, something, the world's
1: telling me something. I pick up the phone, I called John Barrows. So you had, you had to, yeah, you had some of these things kind of come into place before you made the decision. Totally. It found me way more than I found, than I found it. Right. right. Yeah. And, um,
0: and so I called John and John's like, well, I know you can do this. And he's like, I can tell you, this isn't normally how it happens. It doesn't just happen that easily for people. Um, So I took a couple of grand, threw up a, what I call a validation website, um, started making some calls, got another client, got another client. That got me through the end of the year. And I was going to decide, you know, in January, do I think I need to hire, you know, go out and find a new job or, or keep this consulting thing going? And I, I, to be honest with you, I never really had to look back. The consulting thing just continued to go and grow and it was fantastic. Um, and that's sort of my, you know, that's, that's, I'm sure there's lots of questions people could ask, or you want to ask, but that's my origin story. Yeah, that's good.
1: I, that's you, I think, you should, think you should. I think you should. I think you should share that story more. No, you you think you think putting people to sleep, but I my experience is that people really like to hear from others, like how the hell did you get to where you are? You yeah. know, and and there's nuances and struggle all over the place and mistakes, right? Like you were. You know, by your own admission, like too arrogant at at times, like you got laid off a bunch of different times. And there's probably listeners out there who, you know, have been laid off before and don't think that, you know, they're ever going to make something of themselves because they think it's the end of the world. It's like it it doesn't really matter. It didn't stop you. Right. Look look where you've gone now. And sometimes sometimes a stroke of luck is necessary. Right. So. Is
0: it, yeah, but I don't know that it's, I, I stopped calling it luck. I, 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 I finally decided that it's not luck. Is that, to, to your point, this is the maturity stepping in, right? Um, you know, uh, that, that everything I've done has prepared you for that moment, right? So, yeah. that when lock, so that when that opportunity comes in, like, oh, I know what to do with this now. Or at least I have enough wisdom to explore this more you know, at 20, whatever, I didn't have the wisdom to listen to my mother. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there was like, if I'd have been like, Oh, maybe I should go, maybe I should just go talk to somebody over there. Maybe I'll decide I like it. Like, can you imagine in 1997, like they would have flown you everywhere and you'd have been lined and dined and ended up in Silicon Valley. And like, you know, who knows where I would have been. You could have been been selling ad
1: space for ESPN for the last 30
0: years. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I do have a a friend who does that
0: for Fox. Um, (laughs) But he's but he's in Dallas, so at least he gets Cowboys
1: tickets and stuff. So, um Well, that's that's cool. I, I I don't know. I don't think that that many people know. You know your story, and so hopefully people get a kick out of out of hearing about it. Um, like we'll I said, it. my my story has been well documented before. So, there's,
0: yeah, there's, I, I think I think whatever. I because because I compare everything I do to you in general. <laughs> Right, like I'm like.
1: Well, my story's not as exciting as Scott's story. Not that I wish
0: Scott had that story. I
1: would (laughs) much rather you have my boring. (laughs) Because my story is so fucked up. Right, yours is not interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, man. All
0: right, man. Hey, love you. Thank you so much for this. Talk again soon. All right, bye. Cheers.